Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. And we thank you that he gave us a sure promise that he would come and teach us and guide us into all truth. And so, Holy Spirit, we just open up our hearts wide for you today. Uh, we just make room for you, and we ask that you would come, uh, not only in, in, this, in this room, but in our hearts today, that you would come and move and rearrange and shift whatever you need to shift. Father, we thank you that uh, just the church, it's your idea. And so, Lord, we thank you, God, for just in, in our own hearts, God, even as we prayed last week, uh, God, that you would give us a zeal for your house. God, you would give us a zeal for your house and what you're doing in this season, this hour, in this region, in this nation, and in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, last week we uh, started a new series that we are just calling Rethink Church. Uh, and as we said last week, the purpose of this series is pretty straightforward. It's just really this. So we intentionally want to take a step back uh, as individuals and as a collective group, as a congregation, and we want to begin to uh, just reassess, reconsider, or rethink uh, basically what our view is to one question, our answer is to one question, and that question is this, is what is church? What is church? Somebody say, what is church? Listen, in my opinion, it seems like uh, a lot of people answer that question uh, by this. They answer it by uh, basically their, their past experience in a church. And, you know, it's kind of like this, that that experience could have been positive, it could have been negative, maybe it was a mixture of both. Uh, but either way, their thoughts, their opinions, their views, and their attitudes of some past quote-unquote church experience uh, determines how they choose to answer the question, what is church? Isn't that true? Now, uh, on the flip side, it's just as true as well that even a person's lack of experience in a church can determine how they answer that question. But typically for this group of people, it's a little different uh, because typically their answer of those that don't have any church experience, their, their view of church is misguided and it's full of misconceptions. And a lot of times it's full of people's opinions that have been heard in the church. Anybody ever seen that? And then there's another group of people that, man, I just love these folks. I love their passion. Uh, but, but what happens is, is when they answer the question of what is church, they typically answer it by what they believe the church should be. Anybody ever seen that person? But basically, it's this, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but they typically uh, answer the question of what is church by what they are passionate about. They typically answer that of what they feel like they're called to do or the style of ministry that they prefer because everybody in the room has a style of ministry that they prefer. Is that not true? In other words, there's a way that we learn. There's a way that we engage with God. Uh, but the problem is uh, that those people run into is when they begin to see it uh, basically just kind of one-sided, uh, what, they're, what they're missing is is that the whole body uh, isn't called just to be a hand or just to be a foot. Amen? Listen, we are a body, yes? And, and so sometimes when people have that view, they uh, forget that there's more than one anointed expression in the kingdom of God. And, and if we can maybe say it this way, that they somehow uh, forget that, guess what, that all healthy churches where people are being changed and having uh, just God experiences and, you know, just people being saved and all that, it doesn't always fit into one little church mold, right? Just some single piece. And so, you know, in my personal opinion, what I found out is this, is that that when people can't see the broader picture, typically that leads to a critical spirit. And it leads to just self-righteousness, and it leads to uh, an attitude that basically says that we're better than you, and that we're better than believers, and our church is better than your church, and all of that. Anybody ever seen something like that? And, uh, you, you know, I typically think... Um, that's just wrong. I just said it like that. It's wrong. And, uh, you, you know, the reason I feel like I can say that is because uh, I've been there. I've done that. Now, I might not have ever, ever verbally said, hey, we're better than you, but I sure did feel it in my heart. Yeah? 
So, listen, I personally believe that because of all those reasons, it's really important for us to allow the Holy Spirit, once again, through the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit always operates with the Word of God, uh, to, to allow Him to come in this room, in our hearts, to begin to clarify and begin to answer that question for us, what is church? So today what I want to do, and, and I'm not going to cover everything under the sun, uh, remember this is a series so we're building, but I want to share uh, several scriptures with you today uh, that I believe are going to start to help us have a greater uh, clarity of that question once again, uh, what is church? So have you found Matthew 16 yet? Awesome. Let's start reading in verse 13. If you dare say, oh yeah. Awesome. It says this, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? What a great question. Simon Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And it says, and also uh, say to you that you are Peter and on this rock. Once again, I want to stress what we said last week. This rock is not Peter. It's a different, uh, it's a different Greek word, but it means simply this upon this revelation that Jesus is the Christ upon that rock, upon that revelation. Jesus says this, I will build or I will establish my church. Somebody say my church. And then as, as, uh, Brother Charlie said, it goes on and says, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what I want to do is I want to talk about today what his church looks like. And, and what I want to start off initially is I want to address two misconceptions, just kind of get them out of the way so we can kind of get out of the weeds a little bit. So uh, the first one is this, is that when Jesus said, I will build, y'all going to give me grace for this? Good. When Jesus said, I will build my church, the question I have is this, is was he talking about the Baptist church? Listen, was he, was he talking about the congregational church? Was he talking about the Pentecostal church? Listen, was he talking about the Catholic church? Was he talking about the Calvary Chapel church up the street? No. No. Hold on, ladies. Listen, this is true, okay, and, and, and we're going to get tired reading this, and I believe Jesus probably gets tired with it too. But listen, unfortunately, some people get so bent out of shape and so defensive about their evangelical church, their Pentecostal church, their latter rain church, their restoration church, their word of faith church, their charismatic church, their new apostolic church, their house church, revival culture church, seeker-friendly church. Y'all getting tired? Because I am. G12 church, missional church, emerging church, vintage church, transfusional church. That just scares me. But multi-site church, internet church, or their contemporary relevant church. Listen, but here's what I want all of us to understand. I believe that when Jesus said, I will build my church, uh, he wasn't talking about a denomination, nor was he talking about any of those movements. Amen? I don't think he said, man, I, you know, in other words, let me maybe say it this way. Uh, that, that he wasn't talking about a single denomination, a single, uh, you know, once again, movement. I believe he was talking about a united church family. Amen. Amen. So listen, I really like how one of my friends says it. Uh, he says this. He says, God has never married himself to a singular movement. I love that. That God has never married himself to a single movement. So for an individual to say, and I've heard him say it, and it's the reason why we're addressing it today, that God is behind or somehow God is supporting their church more than another, in my opinion, is absolutely, that, that person absolutely missed the heart of God. 
And, and I believe, in fact, that it that uh, when people have that attitude, once again, spoken or unspoken, that it really grieves the heart of God. And the reason it grieves the heart of God is because it brings division. And the truth is, is uh, man, division is exactly where the enemy wants us. Right. If, if he if he can get if he can get us divided, then guess what happens? Uh, he keeps us powerless. Amen. See, the Bible says in Psalms 133, where the brethren dwell together in unity, that's where his anointing is at. And that's where he commands the blessing. So, listen, last month I was um, I was hanging out in a, in a uh, prayer meeting with some ministers. And uh, in that room, there was four Baptist pastors, two non-denominational pastors. Uh, I think there was, uh, let me see who else we got here. I'm trying to remember. One Church of God guy and one guy that's either Advent or Baptist. I don't know what he is, and I just like him. But uh, anyway, so we're all hanging out, okay, and we, we meet regularly. And, and what's so wild about that is, is here's this group of guys, and it's no secret. L- listen, we have a different set of, of uh, beliefs in the room. It's almost a, a joke sometimes, typically on me. Uh, of who they like to joke with, uh, you, you know, they like to make their comments. And sometimes I don't know if they're, if they're, um, what their intentions is behind it. So I just choose to laugh and uh, kind of go on with it because I don't, I'm, sometimes I'm dumb. I just don't get it. But anyways, so, 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 but there's a diversity of beliefs. And, and what I mean by that is, is when it comes to our core beliefs, we're on the same page. But, but when it comes to these side secondary issues, man, we, we, we are as far from the north to the south. I mean, it is, we, we're on totally opposite poles. But what happens is, man, is when we get together and we pray for each other and we pray for our region, guess what happens? Cause we let all that side. Jesus shows up. Uh, the last time we, we met, we were down in Littlefield. And I'm telling you what, the Holy Ghost walked in the room. Right? I, I, I walked out with old Church of God, brother. And, uh, and man, we were both like, man, he walked in the room. And my Baptist brother was cranking it. He was on it, praying his guts out. And guess what? Jesus showed up. That's what I want you guys to see. Yes? Amen? So, you, you know, in other words, Jesus didn't say, you know, hey, because I'm more in agreement with your doctrine, I'm going to move with you. Right? We just joined together, joined our hearts, and he came. And, uh, you, you know, it's basically this. Let me maybe, you know, I've been around a lot of people, and i got to be honest, I've been in this spot before and just went, man, how, how can you guys overlook that other stuff. How do you overlook it? Anybody ever thought that? How, how do you overlook all that other stuff? And, and I think basically how us, at least in that room, how we overlook it is, is this, is when we take a step back, we realize this. Number one, everybody's heart's in the room and they're pure. Number two, none of us are, um, you know, intentionally teaching heresy. Right? All of us are doing our best to present Jesus and to present the gospel uh, the best we have in the revelation that God's given us. And then thirdly, I guess, it's basically this, is that we all realize that when we get to heaven, uh, guess what? Jesus is going to fix our imperfect doctrines. Because I just have this core piece of me that says this, none of us are completely right. Right? None of us are. Or we'd replace the Holy Spirit. Okay, so so it's kind of like this. I think I think when you have that mentality, uh, it really allows you to be humble before one another and allows you to fulfill uh, the scripture here. That's in Romans twelve sixteen. It, it says this. It says live in harmony with one another. You, you know, there's that understanding, guys, that that in that room, those guys are my brothers, not my enemy. You, you know, it, it, so there's this core piece that, yes, we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We believe he's coming back. But at the same time, we all recognize who our enemy is. And it's not each other. It's the devil. Amen. That's who we're in competition with. 
right? So let me kind of give you uh, just a quote here just so you can kind of consider it because I'm going to tell you at some point in your life your heart's going to tend uh, to want to drift in a way where you want to think that you're better, okay? So, so let me give you a quote by D.L. Moody. Uh, just kind of brings back to center here. He said this. He said, I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. It's good to remember that, isn't it? Amen? Amen. All right, so listen, that's the first misconception, that he, wasn't, that he didn't come to basically put a stamp of approval on one denomination or one movement, okay? The second misconception is this, is that when Jesus said, I will build my church, uh, was he talking about a physical building? Was he talking about some beautiful edifice? Come on, talk to me. No, he was not. Uh, li- listen to what uh, Paul said in Acts 17.24. He said this, he said, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. It's a great verse. So the question here is, is if God doesn't dwell in buildings, where does he dwell? Listen, this is what's so awesome. That if you can wrap your brain around this, here's a God that's omnipresent. Can't get away from him, right? He's omnipresent that in, in, in his infinite wisdom, wisdom, he chose to dwell inside of his children. What a mind-boggling thought, right? So, listen, Jesus clearly said this. Just to give you a verse to back it up if you're that kind of person. Uh, John 14, 23 says this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with, and that's also translated as in, him. Good news, right? So, here's really the point I'm trying to get to, is that the church that Jesus said he was going to build consists of people, not buildings. We all get that. But if you can kind of wrap your head around this and think about it a simple way. Throw up that next one there, Austin, please. Yep, okay, we're going to go in order. Here we go. So think about things like worship, prayer, evangelism, fellowship, ministry, discipleship, servanthood, edification. Are any of those accomplished by a building? They're all accomplished by people. So if we understand this today, and I don't want to remove, remove the fact, because obviously there's a position from the Word of God where there's buildings that are dedicated to God. We saw that in, in Solomon's temple, right? So there's a piece of that. But what I want you to understand today is that uh, the building that we all know as our church, it's nothing more than a structure that helps us facilitate our God-given purpose. That's it. If you can kind of wrap your head around this, because you guys come on Sundays. I come here every day almost. Uh, guess what happens when you're not here? It's a pretty normal building, okay? Unless I come here and start praying, then, hey, then it's a good time, right? But other than that, man, if you, if you remove us from this building, it's just an empty building. But what happens when we're in the building? Everything changes, right? The atmosphere changes, and I personally believe that this, uh, that this place has an opportunity at that moment to become a gateway of heaven. Amen? Amen? But, but guess what? We're the ones that make the difference, yes? Yeah. Amen. So let me, let me kind of drive... This point home with one verse it says this in Acts 20, verse 28. This is Paul talking. He says, the church which he purchased with his own blood. Now, we all get it that Jesus shed his blood for people, not a building. Amen. Amen. So I'm just trying to help us out that when we that when somebody comes and they say, hey, man, tell me what church is. And you do not make it go. Well, I said Baptist church. Or say, well, it's that building down there. No, you're wrong. It's not that. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's shift gears here for a minute. And I, and I really want to go into this next part. Pastor Brian's going to preach next week. Super pumped about that. And so I'm hoping that this is going to set him up and hopefully not uh, 
get in his way. All right? So, so come next week. It's going to be really good. Uh, so anyways, I want to look at this from a theological standpoint. When Jesus said, I will build my church, the Greek word that he used for church there was the word ecclesia. And it generally means this. In other words, it's the ancient Greek word, and it generally means this, a gathering or an assembly. But when you get down more specifically, it means the assembly of the called out ones. It's pretty cool, huh? The ecclesia is the assembly of the called out ones. Let me share a verse with you that's very familiar. First Peter 2.9. Says this, says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Somebody say chosen people. Says you are royal priests, or your translation probably says a royal priesthood. Says a holy nation, God's very own possession. I love that. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Man, that's so cool. Because you're uh, a, a royal priesthood, because you're a holy nation, guess what? Because you're God's own special people, the result of all that is you can show the goodness of God. That's cool. It says, for he called you out, somebody say called you out, called you out of darkness, called you out of sin, called you out of evil, called you out of a perverse generation, however you want to word it. That's how Peter said it. But he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I love this last part. Once you had no identity as a people, now you were God's people. It says, once you received no mercy, now you receive God's mercy. So let me kind of, kind of take a sidestep here for a second. Where we get our English word church is from two words. It's ecclesia, which means the assembly of the called out ones. But it's also another Greek word that I cannot pronounce at the moment. It starts with a K. And it simply means this, those belonging to the Lord. So that's the two connections there. It's the called out ones that belong to the Lord. Now, let's kind of keep moving here. Let's look at how ecclesia uh, is used in the scripture. Okay, Ecclesia is used... This is me just kind of being a nerd, but Ecclesia is used 115 times in the Bible, 115 times in the Bible. And that's mostly in Paul's writings, which we know are, uh, you know, there's the book of Acts and we also uh, the epistles. Okay, so 115 times. So don't ever let anybody tell you, well, the church is only used like one or two, three, four times. It's actually used 115 times, this word, okay? And so the, the reason I'm saying that is because there's a movement in the church or movement in the Christianity is trying to get away from the church. And I'm telling you to get away from that is to get away from the heart of God. Okay? So if somebody starts going down that line, move on. Okay? Change channel, please. So anyway, so it's, it's, it's used 152 times, 115 times, excuse me, and 92 of them are in direct reference to the visible local church. The visible local church. Examples of this world would be this. The church of Ephesus, the church of Corinth, the church of Antioch, the church of Thessalonica, the church of Galatia. You've all read that, yes? In other words, you see Paul's writing to those churches. Now, it's in that context there of the local church where we find a verse uh, like this in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. He simply said this. It's Paul talking. He said, when you come together as a church. When you come together as a church, I'm going to make this really simple. When you come together as a church. So, let me just say it how I really want to say it. Y'all give me some grace here. I'm amazed at the people that that are kind of anti-church but still want to get together with a group of people. Guess Guess what the similarities there are? There's still a set time. There's still a set place. Right. And there's still, uh, you you know, basically uh, a thing where guess what? It's, hey, we're going to get here. There's something in place. So what happens is, is because somebody's more than likely offended by the church, they want to go do their own thing to create their own little church. 
right? And so, once again, it's so, but when it's talking about here, once again, when you come together, well, how do we come together? If I don't say, hey, we're going to meet at this time, we're not going to get together, right? Hey, let's show up on that day. Well, I may show up at noon, right? Because I'm definitely not a morning person, right? Some of y'all up here, y'all crazy. Y'all try to show up at 5 a.m., right? So, that is not me. The only thing's happening at 5 a.m. at my house is Jude's got some knees in my ribs, okay? And then we're all trying to sleep. That's about it, okay? So, anyways, so, so when he says this, when you come together as a church, once again, he's talking about a set time, a set location. But get this. He's also talking about a set community or a set region, which that church, right, has not only been established in, but it has been assigned to. Do you understand that? That we are not just here because Pastor Brian and Miss Leah said, hey, let's go to uh, Camden, Rockport region, area, Midcoast, and let's plant a church. Let's establish one. No, guys, we have an assignment from God. Yes, it, it's, it's, it's beyond just showing up and hanging out together. Amen? So, listen, it's in church history. Just kind of give you some little fact here. It's through church history, obviously, that uh, you see when the church grew, the disciples decided, hey, Sunday is going to be the day we're going to assemble. Now, why did they do that? Simply because that was the day Jesus was resurrected, and that was the day that was meant for this celebration. And it was through that context, when you throw up the next slide there, uh, it was during these gatherings that we're talking about here that believers worshipped, they fellowship, and they were ultimately discipled. Yes? Yes? And we may talk about that more in the weeks to come, but we'll leave it there for the moment. So, all right, so the first, so 115 times Ecclesia is used, 92 times it's in the local church. If my math is right, at least 23 times. Math's not my strong suit, but I think I'd use a calculator to help me out to make sure. So uh, 23 other times it's used. Uh, basically, it's in direct reference to what we call the whole church, what some theologians call the, is the universal church. Now, in the Bible, you may see it kind of like this. Uh, you, you may see it called the body of Christ. You may see it called God's spiritual house, which we know Jesus is the cornerstone, and we are the living stones to help make up that house. Is that not true? Yes, don't go sleep on me. Hopefully I'm not born here. Listen, we also know that we've been called God's people. Another way that a title that's given is the bride of Christ. Okay, so those are things that are referring to, uh, once again, the ecclesia, which is talking about the whole church or the universal church. Now, the, the universal church is made up of all people that have been redeemed. Now, the thing I want you to catch here is this, is when it comes to the local church, obviously it's a local assembly. But when we're talking about the whole church or the universal church, this is made up of every person from every location from for literally of, of, from every period of time. Are you all with me? So, in other words, when we're talking about this church, the 23 times, this is the church Paul belongs to. This is the church that Abraham's in. Are you all with me? This church that David's in. This is the church that Peter's in. Are, are y'all with me? It's not, it's not, we are not separated from them. We are one with them in that. Are y'all following me there? So, you, you know, th- those guys didn't, those guys didn't belong to another church. We're all in the same one, I guess is what I'm saying. So, listen, uh, we all know by the Bible that, guess what, that that church is the one that's going to ultimately, it's going to culminate and we are going to meet in heaven one day around the throne of God. Amen? The Bible says, of every tribe, of every nation shall what? Cast down the crowns. We're going to bow down. We're going to worship Jesus together. Amen. That's going to be a good day. All right. So let's kind of shift gears here. Let's take let's take this practical. So we're looking at basically uh, the church is not a building. The church is not a denomination. The church is made up of a local church, and it's also made up of universal church. We're going to maybe tie something there in a second. In fact, let me throw this in there. Um, to understand that the local church, anybody can come to it. In fact, part of our mission is to reach the unsafe, right? People who don't know Jesus. 
So, but you cannot, cannot, cannot be a part of the universal church unless you've had an experience with God. Right? Unless you've been saved. Unless you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Amen? All right. Let me see if I can wake y'all up here. Let's get a little practical. Um, let's talk about who the church is made up of. Now, obviously, like I said, it's those who receive Jesus. But I, I think sometimes, and this is re- really, please listen to my heart on this and, 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 and examine your heart in this. I think sometimes that we forget that the church is a church of diversity. Y'all hear me? That the church is a church of diversity. L- listen to what Paul said in Colossians 3.11. He said, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Love that. He lives in all of us. So here's the point that I want to make is because God doesn't make a distinction in the universal church, we should make a distinction in the local church. You guys hear me? And I want, to, I want to maybe take a second and approach this from a, from a unique angle here, okay? Uh, the word honor has become like a trendy word in the, church, in the church culture over the last few years. Anybody know that? I've heard it, man. We need to honor people. And, and, and I will tell you this. I, I wholeheartedly believe in honor. I think it's something that needs to be uh, spoken about. It's something that needs to be restored back in the church. And basically, if you don't know what it means, it basically means that we just need to value people. Okay, that we need to value and love people. And, uh, but I've seen something, uh, even by the people that are, some people that are waving that banner pretty hard. There's some things there that disturb me. And it's not just in those people, it's just in the church in general. And, uh, and, and I'll just say it this way. We'll roll down a list here. That if we can only honor or value those who are of the same race, the same gender, same side of the tracks, same financial, social grouping, and this is really going to burn you, the same ones that just share the same political views. If we can only honor those people, then we've kind of missed the point. Yes, I, you, you know, there, there's a piece of me. I, what I loved about our church in Carolina, now granted, I know we live in a different region here, okay? Uh, somebody told me we live in a snow-white state. I thought they meant it snowed. They were talking about white people, okay? I didn't get it, okay? But so what I loved about our church in North Carolina is that it was, it was basically about 65% black, and the rest was white Indians. Indians were Lumbee Indians and Asians. And I loved it because our pastor and his wife, when they planned the church, and they called hell for it, but their, but their prayer was, God, give us a church that looks like heaven. And I love that. I love that. Because, you know, even even in the sense of this, I remember our pastor one time uh, got invited, I think it was to a Martin Luther King Jr. deal, like a banquet. And they said, please come and tell us how uh, basically you can get people of all races to come to your church. And uh, he said, well, what's the boundaries there? And they said, you can't talk about Jesus. He said, well, I can't come because that's the only reason we have it. Right? Because when you, once again, when you understand that of all nations about his feet, but yet there's this thing of Sundays in our nation that, that, man, is that not the most divided day we have? And, and here in this moment of, of what's going on in our nation, I'm amazed by how many Christian brothers and sisters I have that are, that are stoking the fire of racism when they should be doing the opposite. Amen? And, and, and what happens is, is, man, all on Facebook, they're working that thing. Right? Instagram, they're working that thing. And what's happening is, is, is they're viewing... Uh, they're viewing the kingdom 
through their, uh, their lens of their race, their color, and not from a kingdom perspective. In fact, I, I remember being a youth pastor. Um, you know, I was a youth pastor for a long time, and I had this mom come in to me one time. She was a woman that was in ministry, awesome woman, loved her, but she told me this. She said, Pastor, I'm trying to make my son, she named his name, she said, I want him to be a strong black man. And it broke my heart because I'm going, why are you trying to make him a strong black man? Why not just make him a strong godly man? Right? And I'm not picking on a race. Y'all understand that. But, but I, this is just an example there. I, I just felt like, man, you, you missed it. In other words, you got Jesus in all these areas of your life, but you're not letting him into this one. And what's happened is, is because of that approach with that kid, it has not turned out that great at all. So, anyways, just give you a thought here about race. Because I hate racism. Can't stand it. Um, to bring clarity here, the Bible says this. The Bible says that if you can't love your brother whom you do see, then how can you love God whom you don't see? Amen? So, so listen, if there's something in our hearts that, that thinks less than of, that, of another race, then we got a problem. We need to get right with Jesus. We need to repent. Amen? So listen, let's go to the next one. Uh, gender. I got a problem with guys who think women are less than. Right? And, and, and I got a problem with ladies who think men are just big doofuses. All right? Ladies, y'all keep y'all's opinion to yourself right now, all right? But, but listen, did, did, you not, did you not see what Paul said there? He's, he, what he said there? He, he basically, I'm using a different, actually in a different verse, he says this. He says that basically there's neither Jew nor Gentiles, male nor female. In the kingdom, we're, we're kingdom. Amen? Amen? So, so listen, a mentality that wants to keep another race down or keep another race powerless, uh, not a race, another uh, gender down, a gender powerless, we had a problem. We need to fix that. Amen? We need a kingdom perspective because we're called to honor each other. Amen? Amen? So, listen, even in this, and I'll, and I'll move on, but uh, someone with a financial and social grouping, man, if, if I can't... If I can't come down or if I can't come up and meet someone in a different financial bracket in the love of God, I missed it. I've missed the honor. Because what happens is, guess what? Just as, just as there's, uh, uh, you know, black people that are racist and white people that are racist and Asians that are racist and, you know, I knew a Mexican that couldn't stand Puerto Ricans and all that mess. Right. Just because you got all that. Guess what? Same time. I've seen uh, rich people think way less than poor people. And I've seen poor people be a matter than Hades. At rich people, just because they're jealous. Are with me? That's problems, yes? Yes, that stuff doesn't belong in the kingdom. Okay, and the last one there, and we'll move on, is political views. Now, now listen, um, what, let me tell you what I'm not talking about. Obviously, as God's people, we don't believe in abortion. And we don't believe in homosexuality. Okay, we don't hate those people that were created in the image of God, uh, but we don't come in agreement with that. Okay, but there's a thing that says this, that guess what? Is there some way? What's going to win with those people? Everybody look here. What's going to win with those people? If I just keep getting mad and slamming the Bible down their throat or if I love, the, love them? Okay, we need to remember that. Yes. So it does us no good to get angry for them. You know why? Because when we get angry for them. We can't pray for them. Right. And if we if we're getting angry about those people, guess what? God's not going to really hear our prayers anyways. Amen. All right, let's move on. If we can only honor those of the same denomination, I sure have met those people. Let, let, me, let me maybe sit here and get like this, okay? Let me get hit where the rubber really meets the road here. 
If I can't hang out with somebody and I go, if I say, okay, well, well, uh, they believe in the gifts of the Spirit are gone. And I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. If I still can't love that individual, I got a problem. And vice versa. I've been on the other side where I've said, hey, here's what, here's what I believe because somebody asked. And literally they shut down the conversation and they moved on with life. Because they cannot get over the fact that this guy believes in speaking in tongues. Okay? And, and so at that point it was done. If I can't hang out with somebody that said, okay, well, you're, well, you're uh, once saved, always saved. And this guy over here doesn't believe once saved, always saved. And because we don't have that, we got to move. we got a problem. Here's the bottom line. How, let me tell you how you can be once saved, always saved, if you want to be. Just serve Jesus and don't worry about it. That went over y'all's head. Just love Jesus and don't worry about it, right? But can I, can I still come into the room? You, you know, I've seen this. I, let's just say it, okay? I'm, I'm a guy that doesn't believe in drinking alcohol. All right? Well, I'm surrounded by folks that think it's all right. You know what? I'm still going to love you. You know, my story and my past is maybe way different than yours, okay? And I know what the Bible says about getting drunk, um, but you know what? There's things that I won't touch. You know why? Because my childhood, I was all around a lot of negative stuff and alcoholism, and I have zero respect for any measure of it, okay? But, but I can't throw my conviction there on somebody else unless i got a Bible verse I can point to. Are you all with me? Yes? you all okay with me? Smiling at you, all right? So listen, let's go to the next one. If I can only honor those that prefer the same worship style that I like, I got a problem. You know what? Some of those, some of those guys I hung out with, they like hymns. Not my speed, right? Not my speed. But guess what? I still understand that at one time and one day, whatever, those came from anointed place. Okay? And I can honor that. And here's what I've learned, okay? Took me a while to learn this. But if I roll up in a church and they say, turn to page whatever, then guess what? I'm going to turn to page whatever and I'm going to meet God. Because it's all about the position of heart and worship, right? I mean, we, we can sing Kumbaya, bless God, I'm going to try my best to get there. Yeah? Because see, there's this thing in people's head that says this. Well, I'm going to go here because God's moving there. And there's an element that I understand that. But, but there's a side that, guess what? If I show up because God's omnipresent, I can really find him anywhere. You know, I went to two Catholic funerals since I've been here, and they were like the exact same. Didn't get that. I mean, it was like, man, they, they, they nailed it. I mean, it was like almost, I can tell you, here's the song they're going to sing next, right? But you know what I said in that room? I said, you know what? I, I'm going to do my best as much as I stick out like a, an awkward duck in this room right now. I'm going to do my best to get in my own heart and experience God in this moment. Amen? I'm going to let God minister to me in the spot. Because it's really about if you're hungry or not. Amen? So, so there's this side. I, man, I can't. We don't need to judge people who sing a different version of what we do. Yes, I am personally not a, uh, you know, a black gospel style of music. Well, the church I came from, they love that stuff. And I try my best to, as white as I am, to be in rhythm when I clap. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> don't laugh because some of y'all there too. Okay, listen, I hear you. But, but I try my best to get a beat, or I just kind of bump my leg. You know, it's, it's, hey, get, you get how you get it, right? But, but there's a side that I go, man, those people are doing their best to love Jesus right now, even if it's not my style of music. I'm still going to encounter him. Y'all get the point, right? So, once again, the next one, doctrines. Okay, we kind of already said that. Uh, the, the last one here, and I love this. Because people don't read the King James Version of the Bible, I'm not going to talk to them. Can I tell you all what's the best version of the Bible? The one people understand. Amen? 
Listen, I didn't understand Shakespeare in school. Okay? I, I got friends, Romans, countrymen, limited years for I, Mark Anthony, come to Barry Caesar, not to praise him. That's 10th grade, by the way. Say, so um, I still got that because I had to say that in front of a class for 372 points. All right? And I asked the teacher if I could start over because I messed up. She told me no, and I had to work it out the best I could. Okay? There we go. Made second best grade in the class. Best thing I did all year. All right? So, anyways, couldn't pass the spelling test, save my life, but, hey, I, I got through that one. But, anyways, so, so here's the thing, though. It, I can't understand Shakespeare. I don't really do that good with the King James Version of the Bible. I, I really don't. You know, intentionally, you know, it's funny. If you notice here, I always share a New Living Translation with you guys. I personally read New King James Version. The reason I use that is because I think it's the most clearest, so we're trying to communicate. So once again, if, uh, you know, if I'm waving that banner, bless God, they don't use the translation I like, get over it. All right? Amen. Because if, if it's all these things, denomination, worship style, doctrine, version of the Bible, if, if, we're, if we can't honor those people, then once again, we've missed the biblical point. Are you all with me? All right. We're getting close. Hang in there. Here's what I believe that all of this really centers upon. And man, maybe if you don't get anything today, grab a hold of this. And if we live this, we'll do all right. It says this in John 13, 34 through 35. Here's the motivation of honor. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. We can stop there. But we'll continue. It says, just as I, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove or be evidence to the world that you are my disciples. Y'all get that. Everybody look here at me, please. The gifts of the Spirit don't prove it. Are y'all with me? I've seen people operating the gifts of the Spirit that are so carnal and fleshy, it's unbelievable. Okay? And they turn Christians off. I mean, turn non-believers off. Okay? Turn Christians off, too. But, but listen... But, but, but he simply said one thing, man, it is the love that's going to be the evidence. Amen. And so watch this. When Jesus said that, he wasn't just talking about loving people that are in your own church that, that are like you, talk like you, dress like you, act like you. He's talking about the people down the street, too, in the other church. Amen. Amen. And, and let, let, me even, let me even give you this. And our goal is not to somehow convert them to some greater level of revelation. That's Jesus' business. Right? Because i got plenty of revelation I'm lacking that I personally need to. Yeah? In other words, we're all a product, right? In other words, we're all in the process, yes? All right. All right. Let me move on. Let me end with this today. I want to show you a verse that Paul said, and I hope I'm getting this right. So just hear this with grace. First Timothy three fourteen through 15. It says, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. It says, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. So right there, he says, the household of God. He's talking about the local church, yes? All right. It says, this is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Listen, I don't think I've ever heard this verse ever mentioned in church, ever. And I've been going to church for 20 years. Get that, which is the pillar. What's a pillar for? It, it upholds and supports a structure. Right? What's the foundation for? It's the mainstay. It's something depends on it. So it's saying right there that the church of the living God, the local church, guess what? Is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Wow. Yes? So watch this. Let me say this in this part where give me grace. Pastor Brian, Brother Charlie, y'all correct me if I'm wrong after this, okay? But I believe Paul is saying that if we happen to remove the church or take away the importance of church and the body of Christ, 
then we're removing the foundation of the truth. Y'all follow me? Once again, could be wrong. But I believe if we remove the church from our lives, if we take a step back from the church, guess what? We're taking a step back from the thing that supports the very truth that we're trying to live by. So I guess what I'm saying is, once again, it's just kind of a reiteration. Man, we need to value the house of God. Right? We need to value it. Amen? Don't get quiet on me, y'all. Listen, here's why. So of all those things we said, and there's more, I, I, I th- you know, where Pastor Brian's going next week, I love it. Try not to get in his way again. But, but if you can kind of grab a hold of this, kind of understand where he's going. I believe this. He believes this. That nothing has the potential to change the world like the mission of the local church when it's fully realized and deployed. There's nothing greater. And once again, it's not a building in action. It's the people that fill that building in action. When they fully realize who they are in the body of Christ, guess what? And they're deployed in that. And that's the key part. We've been working for two years to get us in a spot so we can be deployed to greater measures. Yes? So when we do that, though, man, that's that's a great weapon. I can be honest with you. That scares the junk out of the devil. It does. It does. Why? Because, once again, if he keeps us divided and not knowing who we are, he's still winning. Okay? So we need to realize who we are. So let me kind of say it to you this way. Uh, to try to connect, once again, the universal church and the local church. To understand that the local church, that us here, right, this place, in, in the Midcoast region, that it is our job as this local church to be a representation of the universal church to this region. Yes. Do you understand that? So, so when people view, once again, not only you, you got you got to, once again, move beyond the structure and a meeting place, but you got to understand that Jesus is the head of the church. Okay, so it's our it's our job and our responsibility to represent Jesus. I I love the way Graham Cook said it. He said it this way. He said that Jesus came to put a face on the father and it's our job to put a face on Jesus to the region. Yes, it's our job. So in other words, it's this to understand that. How do we do this? We do this by our lives. Y'all, please don't miss this. That, that we do this by our, our lives, we do this by our words, we do this by our honor, our integrity, our honesty, we do this by our love, our generosity, our character, our lifestyle. Uh, we, we, that's how we put a face on Jesus. So much we focus on, let's go do signs and wonders and let's prophesy. I'm all for all of that. But guess what? Once again, it really starts, can I just love people? Can, can I just be honest? Man, listen, we should be the most honest people on the planet. Right? We should be the most generous people on the planet. There should be nobody that has better integrity than us. There should be nobody that has better character than us. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives in us. Right? So, once again, if we get with Him and we hang out with Him enough, guess what happened? He rubs off on us. And we leave that position of the prayer closet. And guess what? We begin to act like Him. Right? So, so, you know, so often, guess what? We want to, hey, brother. Oh, how you doing? Bless the holy favor of the Lord. People like that scare me. And then, but they want to put this face on to come here, then they go to work. <laughs> Who are you putting a face on there? Who are you putting a face on? Show Jesus. L- listen, in our dealings with people, right, they owe me money. Whose face are you putting on? You all follow me? Amen. Let's stand to our feet, please. Hey, listen, I want to do something uh, just for a second. I want to I want us to do something. I just want Rachel to play for a minute.
you heard what you heard today, if you disagree with it, that's fine. If you like it, that's awesome too. Um, it's really this, though. If there's something there, especially in the spot of honor for me today, that if there's something there that you know, man, I, there's, I'm, I'm off on that right there. I'm not doing that real well. I, I just want you to take a minute in your own heart with God and just say, man, God, can, you, can we fix that today? I need to repent of that. I need to change of that. Man, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm looking at people without money in this way, or I'm looking at people that have money in this way. If I'm looking at another race this way, whatever it is. Maybe it's a, you know, we're not, we came out of that church and we're not that church anymore. Can I be honest with you guys? Until you're healed from your last church, you're going to be no good in this one. But you can only get healed if you forgive. So let's take a moment, however you want to do it, you just talk with Jesus.